0: Welcome to the AWS Tech Chat. We're a Solution Architects based in APAC, and we help customers adopt the AWS Cloud Platform. In each episode, we talk about the latest and most interesting technical developments in the world of AWS Cloud. We bring you the AWS Roundup and deep tech dives into topics of interest. Hello, my name's Shane Baldachino, and this is episode 63 of the AWS Tech Chat Podcast, coming at you from a hotel room in Las Vegas, like I have been for the last few days, but I'm not alone. Joining me today is technical evangelist extraordinaire, Gabe Hollandby.
1: Thanks, Shane. It's a rare privilege to be able to record with you here in person.
0: Uh, tell me about your reInvent. It is actually a rare privilege. I don't think we've ever done this before, Gabe. It's no. actually really nice. I don't have to battle with online podcasting platforms. So. So I'm excited. So the Friday of reInvent, you know, this event, it is a marathon, not a sprint. The finish line is near for both of us. And looking by the faces of those who attended reInvent, you know, it's been a long week. Yeah. I have no doubt, Gabe, you've been making some good choices in Las Vegas. (laughs)
1: Of course, of course. Only good choices ever. Uh, I mean, coming to Reinvent is a good choice, as I'm sure all of the attendees would attest. But of course, a lot of our listeners can't make it, and so I'm glad that we're taking the time to recap these keynotes and such for everyone.
0: Good one. Okay, Gabe, today we are going to cover the Thursday keynote. So that's Werner's keynote to be specific. And the funny thing is that I had in my mind going into this, what will Werner be wearing?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you don't know, uh, Werner is renowned for the t-shirts that he wears, and they usually drop a hint about who the DJ will be who's playing at the show, the big party replay that we have each year.
0: Yeah, so look, as the event started, a skit played out, and I won't do it justice describing it, so let's cut to it.
1: Uh, Dr. Vogels, so are some people in your dressing room. They claim to be from your agency. Agency? I don't have an agency. <laughs>
0: How how are you doing? doing? Nice to meet you. Such a pleasure. So my name's Channing. I'm the creative director for Craftwork Agency. Can I call you Verbs? No. Cool. Right on. Let's just dive right into it, okay? Mm -hmm. So we synced up with our research division, and we discovered something really interesting. Mm -hmm. Every time you wear a new T-shirt, AWS likability ratings skyrocket up 3%. To the cloud. Mm Really?
1: Our strategy team has identified a unique opportunity where we can leverage your new T-shirt at the keynote and if we help you find the right T-shirt, we think that AWS likability can scale up to like five to 6% year over year. Maybe eight to 9% of our Twitter game is
0: slick. Come try trying pick my own T-shirt.
1: For those of you who couldn't see the keynote, Werner's T-shirt was a bit different to normal.
0: Yeah, it was of awesome posse. So for the moment, I thought it was technical. You know, Werner is pretty cool. So I thought perhaps it's something I just simply don't know. But as it pans out, Orset Posse is one of the first groups to make rap music in Dutch. But Gabe, we're not here to talk about fashion and we're here to dissect the themes of this keynote.
1: Yeah, so let's get into that. Werner started clearly calling out he's gonna do something different to the previous keynotes he's run in the past. And this year he focused on more behind the scenes stuff for AWS.
0: Yeah, and if I had to summarize the event, it was really a software defined version of Peter DeSantis' Monday Night Live keynote. The first topic or key theme we talked about was virtualization. Now, we've covered a lot of core concepts in virtualization on episode 55. So if you want a deeper refresher, I encourage you to go back and take a listen. Now, if you think about virtualization in the context of us or even another cloud provider, it's the bread and butter and core underpinning of the services that are being built on top by us. And it's something we've been doing for some time, you know, 13 years, in fact. And we've been slowly tweaking and refining and it's paying dividends here.
1: Yeah, and one of the things you hear a lot of our AWS people say is, there's no compression algorithm for experience. And it's absolutely a saying that holds true. Really, what we mean is there's some lessons you can only learn when you've been in the game a long time and you've seen the scale that AWS has seen. Now, maybe that quote isn't as famous as Moore's Law, but watch this space.
0: (laughs) Haha. So look, I saw a few people rocking that t-shirt, so it may have legs for longevity look as i mentioned episode 55 for a more in-depth look into virtualization but werner covered the past you know where we've come from virtualization as we know started out in the 60s with mainframes but the virtualization that most of us are familiar and became popular was invented in stanford and ultimately transformed into the company vmware i remember using you know vmware workstation probably late 90s. And I was like, wow, this stuff is awesome. Gabe, I know you're a software guy and you might surprise me here when I ask you, but how much time have you spent playing with hypervisors in the past, you know, kind of late 90s through to mid 2000s era?
1: I'm not going to surprise you with my answer, Shane. I admit I never went too deep in the virtualization tech stuff. You absolutely know more here than I do and probably some of our listeners do too.
0: All right. Okay. Well, I phrase a question to you, you know, as Werner honed in on how we're pushing the boundaries, he spoke about the root IO virtualization tax, which basically means, you know, all the guests of the hypervisor are fighting for the same resources at the same time. Mm -hmm. And whilst I loved what virtualization provided in the past, there was a lot of frustration that came with it and I've lived through this. So when you are used to bare metal consistency, it can often be deceiving when debugging performance issues. You know, sure you may have enough CPU cycles, but what about memory, disk and network IO? And personally speaking, disk IO has always been a problem. And it gets amplified as you pack your host tighter and tighter. If we look at disk IO, magnetic disks, and even SSDs, you know, they prefer sequential IO. Though the problem isn't amplified as much with SSDs, but by having virtualization, by nature, having all these dispersed workloads, by nature, the IO is going to be random. And that becomes a problem.
1: Yeah, of course. And so again, we're back to talking about, you guessed it, Nitro. Uh, Now, we have some pretty lofty goals for Nitro. You now, uh, you, you've heard us talk about it in the past. You've heard Werner mention it before. Uh, we have some pretty lofty goals, like we said. We want the benefits of virtualization, but the performance of bare metal. And you might ask, like, is this even possible? Well, it is uh, if you start translating some of the work that the virtualization layer was doing in software to custom hardware instead. Uh, and obviously you probably want to do that in as modular way as possible, so that you get even bigger gains and you can iterate and develop on different modules uh, as you need to. So these are some ambitious goals, but Nitro lets us take a different approach. We're using software development principles we learned running Amazon.com for over 20 years, and we're applying these principles into the hardware itself.
0: Yeah, and if you look at a traditional hypervisor, they're a bit of a monolith. By using software development principles, we are wrapping APIs around our hardware calls. So these are not APIs in the traditional sense, and it's not a REST call, but each module will have an API, and that will have a hardware API exposed over a PCI Express bus.
1: Yeah, and we talked a lot about Nitro uh, this year at reInvent, and it might appear to our listeners that Nitro is new uh, if you haven't heard us before, but it's not. It's something that we continue to evolve. If we look back, Nitro first made its appearance in the C3 instance family, and the first job that Nitro performed was just optimizing the network offload. So it gave us gains compared to having the hypervisor in DOM0 uh, do this work, but we still obviously had things we could continue to improve over time.
0: Yeah, and that time was another two years. You know, Annapurna Labs helped us with the next series of compute-optimized instances, the C4, and given how things weren't. You know, we purchased them, and they've helped us with the C5. Now, the C5 was a bit of a turning point. Maybe you could say Nitro has come of age. You know, we are obviously still iterating, but at this point, Nitro is the hypervisor, and the performance virtualization tax has been minimized significantly to give near-bare-metal performance. I'm going to go back and talk about the storage conundrum I mentioned earlier with poor I/O. Now, if we look through the lens of Nitro, in order to provide block-based storage, so EBS, it's gonna to speak to the EBS control plane. It's then gonna mount your volume and then present it over the host PCI Express bus as an NVMe device, you know, virtually. It's cleaner and as close to hardware as possible. And because of that, our latest instances are considerably faster and most importantly, more consistent than their older brethren. Storage, IO and network performance has increased by a factor of four over pre-Nitro instances at the host level, which is, you know, just fantastic.
1: That's an amazing gain. I totally agree. And you know, hearing this other than just being an impressive achievement, it's a reminder of what you're hopefully aware of with tools like the well-architected framework. It's a timely reminder, upgrade your instances if you haven't yet. Uh, you'll typically get more performance at lower cost for doing so. And of course, we make it super easy for you to change your instances. Perhaps you're just starting out and you're using the console. You can just start and stop your instance on a new EC2 family, make that jump from maybe an M3 to an M5. Or if you're using code like CloudFormation, or the CDK, update your stack and redeploy. It's really that simple. And other than getting a performance gain, like I said, the cost of newer instances is almost always cheaper than the older ones from a cost-performance ratio perspective.
0: Yeah, spot on. Um, Really good advice there, Kate. Performance is one dimension that administrators and users you know, feel by the seat of their pants. But then there's security. Nitro hasn't been around forever. And in case, listeners, you're not aware of our history, our virtualization platform is steeped in the history of Xen. And in Xen, DOM0 is the initial domain started by Xen on boot. And in Xen, DOM0 is the initial domain started by Xen on boot. DOM0 and its privileged domain that starts first and manages the DOMU under privileged domains. Xen is not usable without DOM0. You know, it's essentially the host operating system and it's got special privileges like being able to access the hardware directly, which means disks and network access for guests are referred to as DOMU.
1: So, Shane, what I think you're saying here is that, in effect, you have a Linux operating system that has full privileges over every guest, which, of course, is very powerful and and very flexible uh, with the dummy running. But, you know, things like Heartbleed come out and and other CVEs over time. And it begs the question, do you really want a Linux operating system with full access to all your hardware?
0: Yeah, probably not.
1: No. Yeah, I mean, someone could maybe somehow log in via SSH, perform a full memory dump. I mean, it's not ideal. So when we started with Nitro, we were very deliberate. No DOM0, no SSH. We control the whole communication flow, and the thin hypervisor that runs on Nitro cards can accept commands from Nitro, but it cannot speak back to the Nitro control plane. This is really smart. Uh, it means that Nitro speaks to the hypervisor and external control planes only.
0: Yeah, so look, trust no one, not even your guests. One thing that we don't allow is the guests so the virtual machines to modify the NVRAM or non-volatile RAM on the host. So once the machine boots up, you know, we cryptographically validate the hardware. So we have a custom TPM, so maybe you know you're used to those in your laptop or desktop, that is going to uh, you know validate the hardware cryptographically, kind of like a UEFI BIOS, you know. Um, to validate that Nitro and the hardware itself has not been tampered with. Nitro has become the boundary and demarcation point. It provides near bare metal experience whilst upping the ante on the security front. And since we started rolling out Nitro, the cadence of EC2 releases, you know, the families and instance types, has increased by a factor of 4X prior to running Zen. So obviously now we've got like ARM-based, uh, EC2 instances, inference-based ones, new T-families, etc. And these are all based on Nitro. And one thing Werner touched on and we released in stealth is Nitro Enclaves this week.
1: Yeah, not stealth anymore. So Nitro, uh, building on Nitro, I should say, uh, enclaves allow customers to further isolate their compute environments when you need that extra bit of further protection. Now that's not to say that EC2 instances are not secure. Of course they are very much, but this secure enclave has its use, uh, but it also has some drawbacks, which we'll get into. So the use case for Nitro Enclaves is for managing highly sensitive data like personally identifiable information, healthcare info, financial data, or intellectual property data within your EC2 instances. Nitro Enclaves use the same Nitro hypervisor technology that provides CPU and memory isolation for these EC2 instances. Now, what they do is they include a cryptographic attestation for your software so you can be sure only authorized code is running as well as integration with AWS Key Management Service so that your enclaves can access sensitive material. Now, this was a good thing, and this is why they aren't applicable for all workloads at the same time. Their VMs attach to EC2 instances that come with no persistent storage, no administrator operator access, only secure logical connectivity to your EC2 instance.
0: Again, though, it's another lever that rounds out the capabilities of EC2. This is not gonna be for everyone, but I'm sure there will be many customers that will welcome Nitro Enclaves to the toolbox. So just a note, enclaves are in preview, so you can sign up for this today. Moving on from enclaves and Nitro, we then had Claire Liguri talk about Firecracker. She took the stage to talk about Fargate and containers. Now, a picture is worth a thousand words, and there are some pretty good illustrations and visuals to get her point across. Fargate is becoming more and more popular. Andy mentioned it the day before. I see it in the field and we run tens of millions of containers on Fargate each week.
1: Yeah, I'm also happy to see that now you can run EKS on Fargate as well. So that was a great release. Now, on episode 55 of Tech Chat, we spent a lot of time on containers, including details on Fargate and Firecracker. But the picture I think you're referring to was around scaling. You know, we often see in the field and talk from time to time about scaling. It's an important thing to, to keep in mind. And of course, all customers probably need to scale at some point.
0: Yeah. And look, it's probably a conversation I had more in the EC2 days you know, than containers. But we know cloud is elastic. It's one of the core tenants of AWS. And scaling on EC2 can take some time. You know, a new EC2 instance, you, get to, you know, gonna, bootstrap it with configuration management and so on. You know, that time can often be measured in minutes.
1: Yeah, and and containers absolutely help this, primarily because they're smaller, but it can still take a little bit of time. So what Claire's illustrating is the difference in how EKS and Fargate scales, but equally important, it shows application level performance during scaling events. For example, EKS takes time to scale, so it will either be under-provisioned due to the time it takes to provision, or over-provisioned due to the time it takes to scale back in.
0: You may be thinking, so what? but the application latency when using Fargate is considerably better due to the speed in which it scales. And it does this due to Firecracker. So Fargate uses micro VMs based on Firecracker and each Fargate application is allocated a micro VM rather than an EC2 instance. And we can pack many more micro VMs on a bare metal instance than EC2.
1: And to continue the Firecracker theme, one of the changes that's been happening behind the scenes for our customers using Lambda is our migration from EC2 to Firecracker. So it's all about performance and startup times. And this is where Firecracker really is, like the name says, a firecracker. (laughs) I know. You know, naming is interesting with AWS. Sometimes we name things in in sort of uh, opaque fashions, but I think Firecracker was spot on. So to close out uh, in the keynote, Werner got back up on stage to drive home the point about evolvable architecture.
0: A point to everyone I'll say is, you know, do your thinking up front where possible as it's going to pay handsome dividends. He spoke about S3 and how when we designed it, we designed it where possible to be evolvable. Obviously, you want a good foundation in your architecture and hopefully your architecture doesn't have the trademarks where it's, you know, being designed just in time, being held together with a bit of sticky tape.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. So, you know, back to S3, for example, when we designed it, we estimated the number of objects in the first six months. We were totally wrong, but we added two zeros for fun. Now, while it blew through this estimate, S3 has always been built in a modular fashion. You know, it started with just eight microservices, and now it's up to 262 microservices, providing many of the features launched at reInvent, like S3 endpoints being a specific microservice example.
0: What this shows is we've built an evolvable architecture. The core principle in S3 is reliability. And with that, as we know, everything fails all of the time, specifically disks, especially when running at scale. So how do you reduce the blast radius? We did a level set on regional architectures, those services that are confined to a region, and then taking it even deeper to those services that are locked to the zone level.
1: To drive home this point, Werner spoke about EC2 and EPS, our elastic block store, and how we manage configuration of these systems. We need performance and consistency. That's not negotiable, especially in the case of EBS. You cannot ever have an inconsistent block level device. That's a bad news. So rather than having single configuration master, which of course would be a single point of failure, itself, the configuration is distributed in the form of millions of tiny databases for EBS uh, that take the shape of an internal product that we call, I think I'm saying it right, Fysalia. The key to providing reliability, of course, uh, is uh, One key to providing reliability is a technique called shuffle sharding. Now the basic idea of shuffle sharding is you generate shards just like we might deal a hand of cards from a deck. Now with shuffle sharding these shards contain two random instances and the shards, just like our hands, they might have some overlap.
0: This is a concept that's not that easy to describe. So in preparing the show notes, I put this into my favorite search engine and the first link that came back was by us. And we've talked about how we use shuffle sharding to provide a hundred percent SLA for Route fifty three, you know, our DNS service. So I highly recommend you take a read. The article's called Shuffle Sharding, Massive and Magical Fault Isolation. Uh, you'll be able to find this on the AWS blog. So we then pivoted and talked about, you know, how AWS is giving back, telling you a bit about our secret source in AWS, and continuing on this theme and to close out the keynote why don't I introduce us to the Amazon Builders Library, something I'm really excited about personally?
1: Oh, me too. I think it's a great resource. You know, Building distributed systems is hard, and we've done this at Amazon at a scale that's unparalleled. And so how does Amazon achieve this kind of resiliency and scale? Uh, you can learn for yourself now. There's a lot of information out. and the, You can visit it on the web at aws.amazon.com slash builders library. It's a hyphen between builders and library. There's no question that the world is a better place if everyone can innovate more quickly and efficiently. And if stuff just works better, right? And so, for that reason, we released the Amazon Builders Library. It today contains 14 papers on topics like using load shedding to avoid overload, uh, leader election in distributed systems, and avoiding fallback in distributed
0: systems. Yeah, and those are pretty complicated topics, though, Gabe. You know, it's not something that you can just easily run with. So, learn from us, have a read more papers will soon be released.
1: Knowledge is power.
0: Knowledge is power. Gabe, um, I think we're almost done. You know, we've both got some really long flights ahead. Um, maybe we've got some opportunities to read these white papers actually uh enjoyed making the trip down the strip uh coming here recording face to face we should do this more often maybe not in vegas i'll come see you in singapore maybe
1: i would love that i mean it, look it's been a huge week with a heap of announcements i think everyone in the next few weeks will be busy consuming the plethora of updates that we've uh, provided throughout the week uh, you know stay tuned always watch out for what's new because you're going to continue to see uh, accelerating innovation from AWS.
0: Yeah, and look, to summarize today, Thursday's keynote, Dr. Werner Vogel, CTO of Amazon.com, started the show talking about Nitro, you know, how we went back to the drawing board on virtualization, how we've built our own custom hypervisor to provide the performance that's almost indistinguishable of bare metal, whilst providing a security demarcation for our platform.
1: Nitro's allowed us to innovate faster, and since we released it, we've released four times more instances and since we moved to Nitro. And it's really the foundation of many of our innovations.
0: We went back and looked at Firecracker.
1: Yeah, yeah. and that's not only providing these lightweight micro VMs, but given that we use Firecracker under the hood for things like Lambda and Fargate, it gives our customers faster, tighter, and more seamless scaling than other platforms. We then touched on the importance of evolvable architecture, looking through the lens of Amazon S3 as an example, before introducing you to the Amazon builder library which has papers and topics on how Amazon builds our own distributed systems.
0: We are done here, Gabe, I think it's time to pack up, literally, from this hotel room and get out of here. It's been a long week. I know I'm gonna sleep well tonight, even if it is on an airplane and probably somewhere at the back. Me too.
1: (laughs) Reinvent is an amazing show, and while I'm energized from all the learnings and meetings I've had this week, I'm also looking forward to my first good sleep, which will be, no doubt, on the plane heading home to Singapore.
0: Good one. Okay. Remember, um, all keynotes are now online, but I also see sessions are now showing up. So head on over to our YouTube channel. And listeners, you know what to do. Keep the feedback coming. Let us know. AWS Tech Chat at Amazon.com as your messages do drive the direction of this show. And we'll be exploring more of these reInvent 2019 announcements in the coming episodes. But for now, bye from Las Vegas at reInvent 2019. Bye bye.
1: Signing off, we really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, tell your friends,
0: tell your colleagues, and tune in again to learn about AWS Cloud. Please subscribe to AWS Tech Chat by visiting www.awstechchat.com.